Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Our youth group, G1, is now meeting Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Our Sunday morning worship service has moved to 10.30 a.m., both in person and online. We are asking that you would please RSVP for your children only by visiting our website, newhope365.church, and clicking the red button. And now, here is today's message. Today, um, we are going to, in just a little bit, we're going to partake in communion together. And uh, stay in that posture if you can. Um, Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Holy Spirit, you're, you're welcome. We, we ask that, Spirit of God, that you would just permeate everything that we do right now. That, that what I'm getting ready to teach on, um, is anybody listening, I, I, I pray that it would impact you. Um, it's very personal. It's, it's something that God is wanting us to continue to grow in and understand who we are in Christ Jesus. I've been doing a series for some time, and I'm going to continue on through the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians, if you've studied it for any length of time or, or know, is, is a book truly on your identity of who you are in Christ Jesus. It's who we are in Christ Jesus. So to that question, and this is rhetorical, I will ask you some questions that will not be rhetorical today. But the first one is rhetorical. Who are you in Christ Jesus? You are an image bearer of God. And I need to clarify this because there have been some that ask me, well, if we're not a Christian, if I don't follow Jesus, am I not an image bearer? I'm like, no, you are an image bearer because you were created by God. So for those that are going, well, is this an exclusive club? No, it's if you are, uh, if you are created and all of us that are here have been created, you are an image bearer of God. The difference in the uniqueness is, is as a Christian, the knowledge of that image and how we bring that out. And I've shared this. We image God through our head, through our heart, and through our hands. Our head through the knowledge that we gain and how we use that for God's glory. Two, the, the heart, the emotions in which you have in your life, the emotions that you bring out, you image God. And the hands, how you serve God. And, and, and does that have to be that you're a vocational minister to image God? No. It's in everything you do, in your words and your actions, you image God every day. And I think some people have this distinction, like if you're doing your work, you're like, oh, I'm doing all of this secular work, and I wish I was doing more sacred work. Well, I have taught this as well. That, in, that With God, there's no secular, and there's no sacred. It's all one, whatever you do, for the glory of God, I mean, in anything, whatever job it is you do, do it all for his glory. And so, that being said, is either identity is in Christ or it's an idolatry. And I know this is a tension for us. Because, because I, I say that, it, we're to make sure that we, our whole life revolves around Christ Jesus. And that he is the primary emphasis of our life. But doesn't it often feel like we teeter back and forth? If we're just honest. We just kind of teeter. And, but if you're not focused on Christ and if you don't make him the center and the major focal point of your life, more than likely you are elevating something that has become idolatry. 
And it's something that God is going, if you do that, you'll never, ever, ever, ever fulfill the best that I have for you because you're always placing something above me. And so it is, it is for the Christian the challenge, but the challenge is to say, God, help us. Help us. We can't do this on our own. Keep you at the center. And so I've looked at in your identity and who you are in Christ. I've looked at topics like, you know, in Christ, you're a saint. Say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. I'm a saint. I, yes, you are. You are a saint, believe it or not. I'm a saint. Um, you are reconciled. Say, I am reconciled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, say, I'm afflicted. I'm afflicted. We don't like to hear that. That's the last one that I talked about. But the reality is, is we face struggles in life, don't we? Man, I wish we didn't. But it's in those struggles that we grow and we develop. Today, your identity, the one that I want to hit on is, I want you to know that you are heard. That you are heard in Christ. Not heard, H-E-R-D. H-E-A-R-D, you are heard, okay? So let's look at Ephesians um, chapter three, and we're gonna look at verse, verses 14 through 21. I'm gonna read these to you. And if you're wondering where you can follow along as well on the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, I place notes every week so that you can follow along with me there. And even uh, later on, uh, fill in your own notes if you have thoughts or ideas about the topic. So here we go. Paul, leading into this, Paul, the writer of this book, while in prison, under a lot of duress, a lot of challenge, a lot of struggle, is writing this, and, and he, he basically is saying that, uh, you know, we are overcomers in Christ, we, we have, uh, you know, we are new creations in Christ, and all of this, and he's, he's, man, he is just laying it out there for the New Testament church, and laying it out for us. And then when all of that is said, and he's got all of these hopeful, all of these things spoken of, he goes, when I think of all of this, Verse 14 of Ephesians 3. I fall to my knees and pray to who? The Father. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, which by the way, just a side note, it's the only where, the only place in the New Testament that speaks of Jesus entering your heart, if you're wondering. It's the only place in scripture, specifically in the New Testament, that speaks to that. And uh, his home in your heart, and uh, then your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made, what? Complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Is anybody listening? Well, according to Paul, there is a father 
a daddy who is listening to you. And he has things to say to you, and he, has, he wants you to know today, and those online, he wants you to know that this is very, very big, and that this is not about sitting in a room and doing liturgies and going through motions and just, just having some type of religious experience. And I would even say this to the younger generation, I'm bummed if at any level you think that this is just about religion. It's always about relationship. It's always about relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Paul just dives in there and speaks it so eloquently under the unction and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I like what a, a pastor went to greet a family after a service. And as he, was, as he was getting ready to greet the family, he sees a little girl that was there. And he kneels down and he greets her and says her name and she says, hello, amen. And he's like, amen. And the parents go, oh, oh, it must be that she hears us call you amen when you're preaching and you say amen. And she thought that it was, it was his name was Pastor Amen. The reason I share that with you is because isn't it incredible how children observe what we say and observe what we do? And if they observe and do that, then we as, the, as Christians, we learn how to speak to God or pray by listening to those older in the faith. This is a big deal. So if some of you are going, oh, no, no, okay, I've heard this before, Jason, and so forth. What I believe is that the Lord is wanting to sharpen your edges, mature Christians, younger Christians, stay, stay with me, but the older ones maturing you and continuing to sharpen your faith because this is something that the younger generations are going to need to understand by your example. Okay? Now, who taught you how to pray? Question. This is not rhetorical. I'm just curious. Online, you can type it in if you want. Have fun with it. Who taught you how to pray? Anybody? Go ahead and tell me. Curious. Mother and father. Yeah, that would be a clap. How you pray? Anybody else? Sunday school teachers. Somebody that was going, here's, here, let me show you how potentially you'll, you'll pray. Anybody else? Bible, Bible classes. Yeah, you have different ways in which Sunday school parents, um, it could be a mentor, it could be a, a friend. And we're taught, and some people, you learn to memorize prayers. Anybody ever memorize any prayers? Okay. Um, and, you know, not that it, memorized prayers are wrong or anything like that. I just have always struggled with reciting the prayers of dead people, you know, and saying those things. And, and what, I, what I have found is that God is way more relational, engaging. I, I, I used to think, though, that he was a stodgy. His, he was a stodgy God with a stodgy, you know, this, 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 this old man concept that is like looking to just, like, what is it you want? And I used to think that until I began to listen. And I grew to understand. And the stodginess of God went away. And I began to realize that he knows no time and space. And um, he's not some foreign dignity dignitary that I can just speak to, but he can actually bring practical stuff. And so Christians, we learn how to pray by listening to other Christians who are mature in the faith. And it helps 
I'll explain. I mean, um, if you want to learn also how to pray, read Psalms. Psalms just is just filled with scripture and prayers. Other books of the Bible, one of them is Ephesians. Nearly half of this book that I'm reading through is filled with prayer. Nearly half of Ephesians. And I want you to know today, and this is, this is an exciting truth. If you are in Christ, then God hears you. If you are in Christ, and Christ is in you, then Christ, then you, then God hears you. And Christ, he serves as a mediator. And the Holy Spirit, what does? Does what? Dwells inside of us and, and, call and dwells in those who are in Christ. And our prayers are by the Spirit. Our prayers are by the Spirit through the Son to the Father. Who is constantly working in what? Unity. And I know this is mysterious, okay? And the Bible to us invites us to pray without ceasing about anything, anytime, anywhere. And now you can just imagine, you can just imagine, if you can, the Apostle Paul is wanting the New Testament church to understand this relational, loving God. And he gets down on his knees in a cold, damp, jail cell and he prays and he writes what he writes and you hear it to this day and his circumstances we're not sitting in a cushy living room on a carpeted floor with a cushy couch his was desperate and he pens something that to this day right now at this moment you by the spirit of god get to hear and get to understand and so we we eavesdrop into this conversation with God and what I've learned is that there are different principles in this prayer that he gives that help us grow to understand who God is and and that he is in fact listening first principle is that God is very personal how how personal is God not rhetorical how personal is God question how personal is he he, he is so personal that he knows the very number of hairs on your head. He sticks closer than a brother. Anybody else? How personal is God? He kn- comprehend that one, right? He knows your thoughts before you think them. I'm like, God, if you knew that that was going to be my thought, why didn't you just wipe it? You know, erase it. How personal is God? So personal that he, that he was willing to come and lay down, which we talked about even last week and the implications and the reality of that. If somebody's personal, have you ever heard the statement, they're invading my personal space? Have you ever been in the supermarket? <laughs> and somebody isn't abiding by social distances, right? And, and, you go, and you go, man, they're invading my personal space. What, what, when we say the word personal, what is that? What, what does that mean? That means that somebody personally is allowed into your orbit, right? They're allowed into your orbit. And what gives them allowance into your orbit? 
knowing them, I would say this. A total trust, a trust for me anyway, a trust that what, when they're around me or in my orbit, that they're not going to do something that potentially is going to harm me. So, so I'll, use, I'll use an example. I'll, I'm looking over here, Bill and Bill Cardin, and, and, and literally, I would know that if I invited Bill to come right now, and I knelt down, and I said, Bill, would you pray over me? And he takes his hands, and he places his hands, whether they're on my head or on my shoulder or whatever. I'm allowing him into my personal world because there's an element of trust that when I bow my head, he's not going to go and knock me out cold, Okay. Although that might be a really cool, yeah, you never know, you know, the temptation. But, but personal. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, Prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with a personal God. Praying is one of the most edifying and humbling activities we can do. And that's where, in personal relationship, I lay out my deepest fears, my struggles, I lay out all the things that I know. I'm, I, I lay out, God, my emotions, my pains, my joys, my thanksgivings to the God of the universe. And did you know you can pray in any posture? Though I would say, I'm just going to put a challenge. Once a year, regardless of how, what you struggle, once a year, it would be worth it to just kneel down, even if, for, if it's for a minute, just to understand how other than God is but how he is so personal, but get in that posture to say, God, I honor you as my Savior, my King, and my Lord. But you don't have to be kneeling down. You can actually be laying down. You can be running. You can be working. And you can pray anytime. In fact, Scripture says pray without what? Yeah, pray without ceasing. So prayer is personal. And then prayer is relational, which I've shared over and over and over. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus calls God the Father some 60 times. 60 times. To call God Father was not commonplace. And Jesus taught his followers to call God their Father. So obviously, Paul then goes, okay, Jesus, if that's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. And he prayed to God his Father. And so understanding of God as dad is primary to prayer. And then what happens is if you begin to understand God is father, God is dad, you'll naturally begin to speak to him about anything because we know we are loved and we are cared for. He's not negligent. He's present. And then what I would say is this. Don't focus on prayer, but prayer, in my understanding, is, is a means by which we see God as our Father. And if you've ever watched children, and you guys know this, if you ever watch children and you see how children interact with their, with their parents, that is, in essence, if God gives us that ability to understand that, that's very similar to how God the Father interacts with us, and we can interact with Him. I know it's difficult because you can't see Him, but there's that understanding. Now, some of you, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, had an awful dad. And some of you would go, this idea of dad, it's, it's, it's difficult. In fact, it's more difficult for those who had cruddy, awful fathers. And you're going, I, I want to relate to God as dad, but this is what I would say to you. Don't judge God by the standard of your earthly father. Judge your earthly father by the standard of God, the father. If you do that, then what happens is that you're going, wow, 
my dad was messed up. This was the standard. And here's where my dad, here's where my dad was. But, but, but I'm understanding that God, you're, so Lord, when I come to you, I'm not coming through the lens of my earthly father. I'm coming through the lens of God, what you've done, what you've said, and who you are. And I love that my children, I'm glad that I've got my daughter here today, and I'm glad, you know, I've got my sons here and all of that. I love when they can come and talk to me anytime. And, but when I ponder all of my failures and struggles, I love that God is more loving, powerful, generous, patient, forgiving, caring, encouraging, and even a fun father. And uh, I love that I can talk to him all the time, and that's what Paul modeled. And so you're adopted into the family, right? You've been adopted into the family, and we have what Bible often refers to as spiritual brothers and sisters, okay? Now, some of you would go, I would like to like, not have some of these brothers and sisters, if we're just human. But they're called the church. They're brothers and sisters. You're my brother if you're a guy, and you're a sister if you're a gal, and, and that comprises the church. And we live in community with the rest of each other and as brothers and sisters, and it's okay to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I know it may sound weird, and you may not be at that place yet, but that's what, how God sees us. And we learn what? We see, I see how you change. I see how you pray. I see how you work. I see your highs. I see your lows. I see the struggles. I see all of that, and I'm watching you. And you're watching me. How is he going to handle things? And we learn. And because we have brothers and sisters in Christ, we can be in prayer with you, for you, and bring our requests to God together. So that's, that's the, the second thing, is we're understanding God is personal, God is relational, then prayer is asking. Now, this is one we're really good at, right? We ask, hey, God, that person really annoys me. Can you just take care of them? Hey, God, can you just cover that situation? God, I'm a little deficient this month in resources, and I need that, but, but this is not wrong. Just so you know, you're going, okay, we joke about that, but the reality is, is that our Heavenly Father, in understanding what Paul is saying, is saying, you can ask. And I know God is independent, self-sufficient, and lacking in nothing, but the reality is, is we are not God. And so, thankfully, he is a generous giver, and he welcomes anything. And we need the Holy Spirit's grace. How many of you need the Holy Spirit's grace in and through you? Oh, man. Man. And in the Christian life, the, this Christian life is not lived for God without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're trying to live the Christian life without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, welcome to hell. Because you will be trying to practice religion without the presence of God. It's devastating. And this, the life that God lives in and through us with us is, and sometimes in spite of us, is lived by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And Paul prayed that Christ would dwell in our hearts. And, and it's, it's kind of like this. Have you ever moved before? Yeah, you ever moved? How many of you just love to move? Okay, just, man, I just love moving. You know, Angel, Angel and I have moved to many places over the years. We've lived, to, we've lived in apartments, and we've lived in duplexes, and we've lived in houses. We've lived in some small houses. We've lived in some big houses, all, all that type of stuff. And really, you know what the goal is, is to the, the heart, or what, what we would kind of like to do is what we call settle down. 
right? And then if you finally settle down, what do you begin to do? You might have some projects that you have in your house, right? You know, it could be a painting project. It could be a, a, a step, it could be flooring. It could be, it could be a new deck or, or patio. It could be whatever. And you're doing that and you're, you find that the place, doesn't it feel good? I'm just going to be honest. Doesn't it feel good when you get to a place where you're going, this is where we dwell and this is where we live and we don't have to go anywhere else. How good is that? It's great. Well, think about it like this, that Paul is saying that, the, that he wants to, Christ wants to dwell, not just move and pass through, not just, not just like, okay, hey, on to the next thing. No, he's wanting to actually dwell and reside in your temple. And Paul keeps praying, and by praying that Jesus would dwell in our hearts, literally inner being, Paul was asking that Jesus would make our lives, his home. And he'd keep working on the what? The broken, the disorganized, the foolish, and the deadly things that we would have going on in our lives. And what would he be doing? He would be improving and improving and improving because he's dwelling. He's dwelling. And not, not locking some doors in our lives to Jesus in rebellion and unrepentance, but rather that we would open up every door and go, come on. Come on. In fact, I think it's appropriate for us to do this. Just go, come on. Just do it come on with me. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on. And, and physically, just come on. Because what often we do is we, we push and we, there's certain things we're like, oh, man, I want to have an experience, God. I need that in the bank. I need that with my child, my spouse. Lord, come on, come on, come on. And then the Holy Spirit says, you know, you ought not be do-. And we push. And we close. Heavenly Father, without your perfect blood, the blood in which your life and the life of mankind exists because of the blood. But the perfect blood was, was shed on our behalf. And scripture speaks of without that shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness. And because of that shedding of blood, the new covenant exists in which there's no longer a barrier, God, between us and you. We now are able to come boldly to the throne of grace and seek help. We can ask. We can have presence and, and, and it's personal and it's relational because of God, what you did through your shed blood. Every day of our life, not select days, every day we get to experience and enjoy your presence, God, because of Jesus, you, what you did. And Holy Spirit, it is you in our lives. We ask, Holy Spirit, if there's anything that right now is, is inhibiting you from having full reign in our lives, remove, oh God, we ask for forgiveness. If there's anything that's inhibiting in our lives, remove it, oh God, and have free reign of Spirit of the living God. Have free reign. And so Jesus, by the Spirit, we come through you to the Father. Thank you, God. To you be the glory. In your awesome and mighty and limitless name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to dive deeper, join Pastor Jason on Tuesday mornings at 1130 for the TruthCast on Instagram Live. And of course, you can access our sermons, devotional series, and podcasts, as well as music and lesson videos for children and families right from the New Hope 365 app available in any app store.